It's that time again for the assault on your ears. We call Lore Dorks, a Star Trek Lore Dex podcast. I'm Aaron, and Stavros is here as well. And tonight, on our screens is episode 9 of season 4, The Inner Fight. And in our cups is Tranya. Yes, Tranya. This is uh, your recipe, I believe. <laughs> Inspired by the drink that appears in the original series episode... Corporal Mind Maneuver, but it's also made appearances in uh, other Star Trek shows too, DS9 and Picard. Yes. Uh, we have mixed it uh, grapefruit juice and spiced rum, and uh, I think you need to talk a little bit more about this. Because, yeah, because this is terrible. Uh, Don't make this at home, kids. <laughs> Don't make it, yeah. So when I went online to see if there was already a recipe, because there's always a recipe. Any drink that has been shown on screen, somewhere on the internet, there is a recipe to to mix it You're at home. And I'm like looking at all these recipes and the thing is in the original episode is all they used. It's just grapefruit juice and the cups that they're drinking. Grapefruit juice. Not a single one of the recipes recipes (laughs) had grapefruit juice in it. Like what's going on here? And so, yeah, yeah, so I'm just like, you know what? We're going to ease it up. Grapefruit juice and rum will probably go together well. And. I was wrong. I did find adding a hint of lime really gives it legs. Breaks up a bit. Yeah, but otherwise, I don't recommend this. Use one of the internet approved drinks. (laughs) I was really thinking the the grapefruit juice would break up some of the rum flavor, but it just does not work together well at all. I'm wondering if uh, maybe doing more like a a coconut rum or something might be better uh, as opposed to a spiced rum, but I have no idea. This was a terrible idea. I, I have many regrets. In that case, we're going to choke this drink down yeah. and uh, talk about the episode. You can't win them all. You can't win them all. So what is this yeah, episode about? That's true. Yeah, so hilariously called The Inner Fight. That is, you know, not to be confused with the next-gen episode, The Inner Light, which is yes. critically acclaimed. Yes. Um, everyone knows it yeah. pretty much. But in this episode, Mariner, Tendi, Boimler, and Talin are dispatched to an overly safe mission repairing a weather satellite, but it goes awry. When the mysterious threat ship appears and pits the kidnapped crew's captains against one another. Meanwhile, Rutherford accompanies Shax and Captain Freeman on a mission to acquire the location of our favorite guest star, I guess of this episode at least, Nick Locarno. Hey, yeah, it's the return of Rubber Duck McNeil! <laughs> is that what the internet calls him, or is this just something you made up like a lunatic? I made up, buddy. Uh, you have a short memory, my friend. You need to uh, I do. tone down the drinking. I believe <laughs> that was a certain Stavros who first referred what? to a Robert Duncan How McNeil you? as Rubber Duck McNeil, and it's sticking. <laughs> I choose to believe that, well, at least the spiced rum in this drink is choosing to believe that I'd never, ever said that before in my life. Yeah, that's right. Deny your shame. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I, I feel like your synopsis is way off here. The mystery really? threat ship didn't pit the captain's crew or the crew's captains, the the ship's captains. It didn't pit them against each other. They did that on their own. That was not mm. Nick Locarno's fault. I am sorry, but if somebody puts you you in a cage, it doesn't mean you have to rage. Hey, we don't know. I guess I am making a logical leap there, but uh, it's not that big of a leap. Come on. I think it is a pretty big leap, considering the fact that it took five minutes 
for Tendi to de-escalate the situation. <laughs> Only because she used her status, but we'll <laughs> we'll get to that. Still, certainly. if there was some sort of mind control <laughs> trickery going on mm. here, they would not have stopped yeah. immediately. It would have been nope. No. The rage hormones have taken over. I must kill. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about outpost scientists. <laughs> well, well, first I want I do want to talk about that because there is a lot of fun stuff in the cold open. Yes, but uh, this episode was written by Mike McMahon again. Outpost uh, scientist. Directed... That's yeah. Well, is he an outpost scientist? I mean, uh, same quality. He just really of likes person, outpost scientists, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly the same, I guess that's true. But yeah, he he wrote, he wrote this one. Um, and it's directed by Brandon Williams, who is another uh, newbie to the directing scene this season. I think. This is his second or third one as well. We were talking before last episode about yeah. uh, that episode's director being new and doing three episodes a season. I think this is Brandon's second or yeah. third. You know, in the Pretty lead solid. up to this episode, and usually whenever like writers or directors or producers or anyone is hyping up their own upcoming episodes, I'm like, oh yeah, right. sure, buddy. Yeah, it's it's definitely the best show of the season. And you know what, though? This was right. <laughs> like, this is probably my favorite episode so far. Oh, yeah? I just, this wow, was, nice. I really enjoyed this from beginning to end. So kudos, kudos. This is a great story. Yeah. It's well-written, <laughs> well-animated. I yeah. just love it all around. And even, like, there's so much funny stuff in this where the comedy yeah. is not, like, in the text, but in, like, the meta text of the series. And... Yeah. That's great, but there's also funny stuff in the text, and there's funny visual gags. It's just great. I, I kudos. Totally. This is really well put together by the whole team. Yeah, I gotta agree. It's one of the highlights of the season so far. You sure. know, I'm getting real sick of this sappy. I love the show stuff. Come on, give me some bad episodes. <laughs> that's that's how you get the listens with the rage bait headlines. So we just need... <laughs> oh, we're doing yes, it all wrong, I think. We need a yeah. shark jump episode here, Mike McMahon. Oh, Make okay. it happen. Come on, Mike. Anyway, let's talk about the cold open. So this, the, I feel like the entire purpose of this cold open was to just demonstrate that Mariner is kind of floating off the deep end a little bit. But my favorite thing about the cold open is the little tremble lizards. And they... Did you notice that... I don't know if you watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the 90s, but they look like the little mouser robots. Did you... Did that occur to you as well? Or am I just a... Ninja Turtle simp. No, hundred percent. And until I, uh, until you just said that, I was all like, "Where are these from?" Because like I know I've seen these, <laughs> and the only thing I could think of yeah. was like the ises uh, and wases from the Max comic book cartoon. But I'm like, no, it's not right because okay. they have a different. They have one head and body. It's like I've seen these before, but no, you're right. They are hundred percent those creepy little <laughs> robots. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty cute I don't, yes. they're not up to moopsie levels i don't think the, they're going to resonate with the internet quite as much as moopsie you but, know uh, i, I don't pretty know cute. i feel like they're on par you know i mean <laughs> okay the funny part is so like all of the warp core well the uh the warp drive five are there except for wait are they the three. warp drive five i thought we were going with phaser five. Oh, the phaser five we i, I like them both hmm I like the warp drive because it has the rhyming element. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, they're so they're on this mission to fix the outpost scientist's shield, but they forgot to bring an engineer with them, and Rutherford's not there for some reason. You know what? That kills me because this isn't the first time they've sent no, no. engineers on an engineering mission. <laughs> like, oh my god, Freeman, what are you doing? Actually, no, though, is that Freeman's <laughs> job? I feel like that may actually be Ransom's job. Yeah, someone organized the away team. 
who assigns the away teams? Is that the captain or the first Isn't officer? It? Or is there like an administrative functionary, you know, somewhere? Yeah. A lot of times in, in Star Trek, it's the captain tells the first officer character, hey, put together an away team. And the the first officer then leads the away team with some other people. But what if it's like somebody's like, okay, Mariner, you're in charge. And Mariner's like, well, Brotherford isn't here. Guess I'm taking other people for some reason. And she's the one that organizes the away team. Yeah, that makes sense. Like sometimes you just say, <laughs> hey, put together a team and go do this thing. And then you have to like yeah. look at like it's like assembling a meeting at work and you got to look at like everybody's right. schedules and find when they're free. <laughs> Rutherford's busy. Yeah. He's doing something else. Yeah, Rutherford's yeah. <laughs> uh he's uh blocked out on meetings today. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> he's stuck in Zoom for during this waiting window, <laughs> so nothing he could do. <laughs> I love how these lizards are so smart. They like dig out a panel on the fencing and are they smart break or wires is that just, just so they can go chance? in. Because it doesn't seem know. like the other lizards were just waiting to to like pounce as soon as the fence was down. It feels like this one was just like, hmm, maybe I'll try this Screw metal around. and see if I enjoy it. And as soon as that fence <laughs> was down, the rest of them were like, yeah. oh shit, now's our chance. Going in. Fresh meat! <laughs> it could be. Mmm, delicious. Can we talk about these They'll aliens real in. quick, though? Of course. Because yeah. obviously we established, you know, what they look like and that they're cute. But they have acid for blood, right? Yeah. How does that work? Like, why is the acid... This is not new to sci-fi. Like, I know, this is the alien from Alien. Too. Well, obviously yeah. I came prepared. This isn't the first time I thought about this. How does this work? <laughs> like, what is their body made of that it just doesn't corrode but still functions as tissues and bones and all that stuff? It doesn't make mm. any sense. No. Well, we're not biologists, though, so... You don't know that. Are you a biologist? No. I feel like I, feel like I would know that. Okay. <laughs> Just I feel like this would have come like up before. Yeah. Yeah, it is strange. They they both, they, they spit and they have, they, like, they spit acid and they have acid blood. How does that work? Well, you know, maybe he just, you know, took a punch to the mouth and now, you know, his cheek is bleeding. So he's able to spit. You don't know. I don't know how they're And then their, their skin is acidic too. The skin no, makes the, the eyes pop out. The skin was venomous. The skin was venomous. Oh. They're acidic oh, okay. and That's venomous. Different. Two different things. Uh, okay. Although I Crazy. suppose... I do want a little plushy. Venom could be an acid. I don't know. Yeah. Don't we We're all, Stavros? Don't we all? <laughs> uh, what about the Venom suits looking like the Toss uh, EV suits yep. from Tholian Web? The uh, Outpost the Science heck? getting secondhand gear from 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 100 years ago. The only thing this is good for is uh, repelling acid. I guess that's it. Yeah. To be fair, though, like the spacesuit designs in Star Trek have always bothered me. So, like, ah, eh, you know, it looks cool. I'll let it go. I'm fine with it. Yeah. It does look cool. Yeah. Just yes. uh, old tech in universe, I guess. Yep. If it's even supposed to be the same EV suit. But anyway, so uh, Mariner, uh, you know, they demonstrate her craziness here. So, so once they get that underway, um, there's two plots here. There's the Mariner and a bunch of the other lower deckers going to do their own thing and getting trapped on the planet. And then there's also the Captain Freeman Rutherford Shacks plot. Let's talk about the Captain Freeman plot first, because the Mariner and Company plot just leads into the meta plot, which I want to get to towards the end here. I think we need to uh, talk about the briefing before we even get there, though. Okay. So what do you want to talk about with the briefing? I mean, where to begin? I mean, first off, the people they're looking for, why are they looking for these people? 
Supposedly, yes. they're former Starfleet officers who, you know, mm-hmm. are jilted by, you know, the Federation. And now, I don't know, what's like the end goal with these people? Obviously, Seven of yeah. Nine and Picard was established that she was rejected by Starfleet, right? She wasn't given, like, a official commission when she got back. Beverly Crusher in Picard. Oh, in Picard, she left, right? She leaves, too, yeah. Is she, I think so I've already... seen some people talk about, yeah, it's like this is right around the time where she leaves Starfleet. yeah. So. And then, who was the other two? There was uh, Thomas, Thomas Riker. Riker. I love that they, yeah. they called him back. He is one of my favorite scenes in the entire series when he steals the Defiant. <laughs> and he's yeah. posing as he pulls William the, Riker. the beard off. And he pulls, yeah. not the beard, just the, <laughs> the sideburn side the part yeah. <laughs> to reveal he actually has a goatee. It is such the, like, the greatest <laughs> evil doppelganger reveal ever. Like, there's no way they didn't know how hilarious that was going to look on screen. Like, they just, there had to be some guy. Absolutely, yeah. You know, somebody had to know how hilarious that was. Yeah, So, uh, But, you know, the last time we saw him, he was on his way to Cardassian prison. And Cardassian prisons are not forgiving. Not a joke. Yeah. I know there was, was there like a... He made it through. Yeah, I think there was a book or a short story or something where... Like the Cardassians eventually abandon the prison he's in, and like he oh. winds up, you know, like helping the prisoners establish a new society. So it's basically space Australia. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, is that what he's doing? Interesting. At this time, is he the uh, king of space Australia? Is that what it, it could, is? Be. could be? Yeah, possibly. He's he's got to be reachable because that's why he's on the yeah. List. That's why he's on the but, list. Uh, so it was him. It was yeah. Beverly Crusher. It was Seven of Nine and Nick Lacarno. So those are the four. Okay. And Nick Lacarno. Although, yep. you know, that's yes. the other thing. Nick Lacarno, who this whole plot is about, um, I do like that, you know, nobody's mentioned that he has the same background as Tom Paris. But. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there were, there were a lot of joke opportunities for jokes about Tom Paris versus Nick Lacarno here. But uh, you got to think, like, he's only in the, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but he's only in the episode for a few seconds. Yes. So maybe they're saving it for episode 10. Yeah, there'll probably be jokes about it at that point. But the other (laughs) thing is, you know, this really puts to to bed that fan theory that Nick Lacarno is Tom Paris. Yes, you're absolutely right. They're different people. Yeah, Nick Nick Lacarno is just like... pseudonym is it a pseudonym right or a uh, pen name i well, don't know what do you call it i heard he like changed his name yeah he went like under that. a different name yeah. to avoid right. you know nepotism yeah which uh-huh. i would hope by the time starfleet and the federation comes around and it's a utopian future you know we yeah. would have you know we would have weeded out all the nepo babies we would have yeah, uh you know i think so i know genetic engineering is illegal but i feel like uh you know, just like they make exceptions for, you know, deadly uh, genetic disorders, they would probably also make exceptions for nepotism. Yeah. Just, just chop that gene right out of there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that whole thing is torpedoed now because he's a yeah. confirmed different person. Confirmed. Just looks a lot like Tom people. Paris, that's all. Maybe we'll get yeah. lucky and Tom Paris and Nick Lacarno will meet in the final episode. I can only hope. That would I can be, only hope. Uh, I seriously amazing. hope that happens. Tom Paris is like impersonating Lucarno or something like yes. that. You can only imagine the uh, hilarity that could ensue here. I honestly legit expected them when they found Nick Lucarno, them to actually find Tom Paris. And like Tom Paris <laughs> is just like moonlighting as a pi- private pilot. <laughs> I, I genuinely uh, expected that to happen. Hey, there's still room for it in episode 10. It could still happen, could be. I guess. Could be. <laughs> 
Uh, but anyway, so yes, the plot out, the uh, briefing out of the way. So Captain Freeman, Shax, and Rutherford uh, are heading to a planet called New Axton. Nothing like old old Axton. What? It's exactly like old Axton, just way more lawless. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I got to admit, the guy who does Shax, he delivers one lighters just fantastically. So dead. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, it's just good. He is really good in this too. He he doesn't need that that many lights. He's like Boba Fett in the original trilogy. He doesn't need that many lights. He just is uh, is that cool in the background. Yeah, let's move on. I don't want to talk about Boba Fett. <laughs> Getting a touchy subject here, but anyway. So on the planet New Axon, what do you think of like the weird like planetary shield that had to be opened to like let ships through? Or I feel... have you seen anything like that before? I was trying to understand what it was. Well, it's a planetary shield. It basically protects the planet. It's also possible that it's, you know, some part of their regulating their, you know, weather and atmosphere and whatnot. But, you know, I know that it shows up in beta canon, but, oh, you know, no, we did see planetary shield. You've seen planetary shields, but it certainly looked... Oh, very, very different. This was very unusual. Kind of a gate kind of look. Yeah. Yeah. Because we saw them in uh, Discovery, and oh, you know what? I think there was one in TNG too. Oh, there's one in Voyager as well, right? Oh, who were those guys? The hybrid Cardassian Bajorans, um, the Kralor, right? The Kralor had a planetary. Oh, shield. right. Yes. Um, yeah, I think they've yeah they've they've shown up pretty yeah. commonly pretty commonly they've showed up frequently how's that that sounds better yeah there you go that sounds better <laughs> i just haven't seen one that quite looks like this no so, but kind I mean, of interesting I, I art think design. for a defense thing like otherwise you have to shut down the shield every time somebody wants to beam down or you know land yeah. on the planet but if there's you know that ring up there you just pass right through it but yeah so they do end up landing to go after the information on lucarno um i love the the, the starfleet pants pockets gag that was amazing I love that gag because, like, I've we've had that conversation about why the Enterprise uniforms are my favorite uniforms. Yeah, they got the little zipper pockets. They have pockets. pockets. They're functional. And yeah, they're behold, they had pockets the whole time in TNG. <laughs> All right, I guess no. It's <clears throat> Rutherford's surprise. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, these are different than the TNG, like TNG uniforms. So, uh, I guess yeah, they're closer to the movie slash DS9 era uniforms. But even then, I don't think those had pockets. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Love and it. I love in the very next scene when uh, Captain Freeman is talking to the bouncer, Rutherford just has his hands in his pockets. That was a great little touch there. I yeah. Loved it. Like I said, really well put together. Pockets now canon. Yeah. Great gag. Great gag. Wonder if they'll revisit it in the future. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Probably not. But <laughs> pockets of course, will be forgotten. You know, this alien planet, I love this planet. Um, yeah. There's a level of ridiculousness that like it's just kind of hard to accept. Like they're going to the pickpocket district, like <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah, the way they say it? It sounds official too. It's not like a nickname or something. Yeah, it's just called the pickpocket district. It can't be the district <laughs> where pickpocketing happens. That has to be like, oh yeah, you know, it's like a touristy thing, right? <laughs> Welcome to Wallace New Axton. Head on down to the pickpocket district, because like it's like part of yeah, their marketing spiel. Yeah, like. You go to Frankenar and everything is casino themed. You go to New Axe and everything's crime themed. And I love yeah. the running gag that like everybody's like, we're not a lawless society here, despite what Starfleet thinks. And <laughs> I actually think they are. And they're just dicks. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and the Captain Freeman, let, let's talk about Captain Freeman's strategy here. I mean, first off, apparently the Starfleet Academy course on rogues and racketeers. Uh, <laughs> I love this seminar, that's a thing. It's really yeah. paid off. Yeah. <laughs> and like when I heard that, I'm like, Jesus, no wonder like unaffiliated worlds. Like no wonder those people just hate the Federation. <laughs> no one takes Starfleet seriously. They, yeah. they, they portray them as all being like lawless hellholes. And they literally <laughs> have courses on how to interact with these people. And it based around. <laughs> and it worked. And yeah, it paid off, apparently. <laughs> uh, Captain Freeman and uh, and Billups are the experts on dealing with the uh, rogues and racketeers. I love that reveal apparently. that it was Billups all along. But why Billups? <laughs> why was it not somebody from security? I was thinking about that. And the thing is, like, Shax has the body silhouette that would be too easily identified. So what's the alternative? Is uh... He has a whole security team. There's, we've seen all these other security people. Could have been any. You want to be Merp? I mean, like Little Merp or whatever it's called. I remember that guy's name is. <laughs> big Merp or Sleepy Merp? <laughs> Not Big Merp. <laughs> sleepy Merp. Yeah, that, that's the one. No, Sleepy Merp. To like... But even Shax. Why couldn't they do Shax? It's not like Shax has some unique body shape, right? Yeah, well, like, that's what I'm saying. Hey, he that guy. That guy's shape. a bodybuilder. Clearly, he must be Shax. Like what? <laughs> Hey, maybe Billups uh, has some experience. He he aced that course at the academy, so he he's a little specialized. Got a little specialized just, job as a. I uh, desperately want to know hunter. why that decision was made. Like it could have been <laughs> Migley Mo, you know, at that point. I mean, it could have been oh, anyone. God. We're gonna talk more about Migley Mo later too, but <laughs> but yeah, Captain Freeman's strategy pays off. Um, I love it so much. I, I, what do you think about the uh, the Muds uh, establishment, which is you know. In case you didn't miss the clear reference, it's to the actual Harry Mud character from Toss. Wait, was there was there a Harry Mud character in Toss? I don't recall this at all. Oh, was he in? Well, I, was, I guess we have to do a Toss. Was he like watch. a background character? Or something? I'm not. Of course, you know. Um, <laughs> I do wonder because, like, I honestly would have expected to be like a Corks or something, but I hope they revisit this. Corks is too upstanding, man. He's he's franchised on like you know so Starfleet what? stations and stuff. But here's the thing. He's legit. This, well, I mean, this obviously can't be Harry Mudd's establishment. Harry Mudd's probably dead by now. <laughs> He's long gone. His, his name perseveres. Yeah. So maybe this is a <laughs> franchised establishment and the Federation is just like, no, you can't open franchises anywhere near the Federation. You and your weird <laughs> robot sex slaves, get out of here. <laughs> uh, but inside this, the Mudd establishment... There are all kinds of crazy aliens that we haven't seen in the show for a long time. We'd even some new ones. Seen and unseen. Brand new ones. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. we got the pig aliens from the pilot. We got those crystal yes. worshipping aliens. There's yes. Tamaranians, Gorns. Was the bartender a Tellarite? Was he supposed to be a Tellarite or was he something new? I thought he was just like a chunky Klingon, but I was not sure about but that. But he doesn't have not the clear. proper cranial ridges. Yeah, it's very subdued. Yeah. We got a brand uh, new cat person. Maybe. Have we seen that person before? Yes, a new cat person. Yeah, it's this it's in the style of Dr. Ta'ana, so that was fun. Well, a little bit same kind of cat person. Yeah, I guess that is true. It is that kind of cat person, just a different type of cat, you know. And what is the green grasshopper alien? Have we seen that before? No, I think that must have been a completely new one. God, and that's just that's one of many. Like yeah. when we see uh what's his name? Eric's species. Uh, yes, Edosians. Yeah, Edosians. Yeah. There is another alien with him, and I don't think we've seen that one before. And that's a new one, too, I think. Yeah. Oh, there's just so many in that Lots scene. Lots of new it fun stuff in there. Wondering, yeah. 
Like that's that's a lot of effort to put into background animations. Yeah, some some uh, character designers had a lot of fun making up, <laughs> pulling back old designs and making some fun. new ones. Yes. <laughs> one in one of the shots, one of my favorite ones. I think it's the alien in one of the season one episodes. Remember, Boimler kind of runs into him and he gets all upset because he like spills the guy's drink or something. Oh, in, when he's yes. uh, walking around the Mariner, he's like holding this like he's like this giant alien and he's holding this like tiny little glass beer. Mug. Yes, I was. It was funny. killing me. Yeah, he's the blue guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The That's where that guy was from. I was. It was killing me. I'm like going through old episodes, <laughs> like you know piece by piece trying to find where this guy's from yeah and i just i couldn't place him but yeah, yeah he's that random. alien yeah that was fun and uh, speaking of aliens you know they've got the zorkies across the street and did you hey, notice the return yeah. of the cactus it's man the banana man <laughs> the, we'll have to agree to disagree I, he looks like a cactus no that's, that's fine i mean you don't always have to be right you can be wrong sometimes i'll allow it <laughs> Yeah, and of course, perhaps the most the the best alien of them all is the uh, I don't know they don't give him a name, but it's the Balok puppet. Yes, the Balok the return puppet. of the Balok puppet from yes. the Corbinite maneuver. Yeah. So what right. kills me about this alien yeah. showing up now is it raises a lot of questions because yeah. this is clearly the same species that the puppet was, right? So <laughs> Which- did Balok just like? You made a puppet of a real alien. A real alien. But not only that, the whole point of that alien existing was to be like an imposing figure when he spoke to the lesser species, right? Did he choose a midget race, like a little tiny race, (laughs) to be that imposing figure? Why would he do that? It doesn't make any sense. It looks good on the view screen, I guess. That's why I wonder if maybe that's like an old version. Because, like, Baylock was played by, uh, was it Clint Howard? Clint Howard, right? I think so, yeah. And he is as a child. And that was it. Right. Baylock species look like children. That's not imposing or intimidating. Children with the voice right. of fully grown adults. It's creepy as fuck, <laughs> but not intimidating. Not weird at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe like this guy is like the old version of that species. Like Baylock is like the middle aged version. And this guy yeah. is what they look like when they're older. And, like, that's why he moves so robotically. Like, his motor functions are starting to fail. <laughs> that could be it. I love how we're trying to find... Because, I mean, let's be honest. The way that the animation and sound effects uh, in the show, it's heavily implied that he, like, is basically he a robot. He even makes <laughs> robot sounds when his arms move. Yeah. Just, yeah, I oh, know. Come on. But no. So now there's a... It's canonized. There's an alien species yeah. out there that just sounds like a robot. <laughs> Nothing wrong I with love that. the gag with with Rutherford like doing the X-ray view of him. He has so many internal organs. He just looks like <laughs> just like a Halloween decoration. I had to screen grab that yeah, and just so like let's just laugh. Although and laugh. before that even happens, when uh, Freeman calls him out as being a puppet, and Shax is like, "By the prophets, how can you tell?" At that point, I'm just like, <laughs> "Shax, it's a torso <laughs> sitting sitting on a table. Like, how could it not?" Yeah. Be a puppet. And then, oh my God, it is a, it is it's not, not a puppet. puppet. Oh, so good. But the best part about that uh, is Freeman had to know, right? This was all a part of her plan. Yeah. And right. Yeah. So, like, oh man. Because this puppet has been seen elsewhere in the show. I believe the. um Well, not this puppet. There's a picture of him. 
Because we, I think we missed. Right. Did we? No. No, we did correctly identify that. But at the time, I didn't I so. connect it to that episode for some reason. We just identified uh, it as the alien at the end of the credits. In right, but he's from TOS. the episode. Yeah, yeah but he's from right. this episode. Yeah, that's the uh, the bar in the uh, starbase on the episode "Embarrassment of Duplers." Yes, I do want to point out that so. that uh, the the episode that that guy's from Corbinite Maneuver. Yeah, Corbinite Maneuver. The the thing we've talked about multiple times so far tonight. Yes. Yeah, that episode is super weird. Like <laughs> none of it from beginning to end makes sense. I just I want to know what they were on when that episode <laughs> got approved. When somebody read it was that, the '60s, man. And they're like, yeah, yeah like there's there's Let's an insubordinate crew member who freaks out at the drop of the hat, and they're like, yeah, go be an ambassador to this alien species. Like what? Uh, the super advanced <laughs> aliens who use a just piss poor puppet to try and intimidate people. Like none of it yeah. makes any sense. No, I need to watch that one again, but I do remember it being completely off the wall. I don't rem- I don't recommend it. Do not recommend it. No, no, it's not. It's not rewatchable. No, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I mean, there's. Let's talk about the the very end uh, after we talk about the the other the a plot because. That kind of will lead into what what we think is happening with the yes. Uh, you're talking about the when they finally here. find Nick Lacarno's hangout. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and there is a schematic hanging on the wall. Yes, very all traumatic. Too familiar ship. Hmm. So that we know what that means. Well, let's talk. We'll talk about the implications after the other plot. So, are we yes. missing anything on the the new Axon plot Axon, that, you, yeah. that we need to talk about? A hundred percent. We are missing so much stuff on that plot. I just don't know what it is. There is a lot in those in those scenes. So. Oh yeah, there's there's uh, you know there's like bullions in the background. I don't think we mentioned that. Yeah, I think there's is there a member of uh, I don't even remember. Is there like a member of Morn species in the background somewhere? I don't know. There's so much Ooh, shit going I didn't on. See that. There's a lot. I'm probably yeah. wrong. Only so uh, much time in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the next plot. But anyway, so let's talk about Mariner and uh, everyone else except for <laughs> except for Rutherford in the yeah, other plot on the girls' trip. Yeah, the girls' trip and Boimler. Um, that was a great joke. I, I love in the briefing, they get called into the meeting room, and they're like, has everyone noticed that there's this problem with Mariner? Like, she's not here either. And even Captain Freeman comes in and goes, "There's what's going on? And they're like, yeah, there's something wrong. Yes. Well, there's no time for the counselor. We need to send her on a mission. <laughs> well, I mean, it was to keep her busy. But here's the thing. The reveal at the end makes this whole episode make even more sense. Yes, I completely agree. Yes, like you would do that exact thing. Like her mother has to know about Mariner's connection to Nick, right? Yeah, I, I, she must, right? I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, there's no way her mother didn't know, especially given how high profile that whole situation in First Duty was. Like she had yeah. to have like looked into it. There, I mean, there had to have been a conversation at some point about that. I feel like, yeah. yeah. No way she didn't know. Must be. But uh, here's an uh, interesting question, though. When they get sent to this random satellite, the, the weather control satellite, is this, like, is this random? Because because this happens to be the planet where the captains of the kidnapped ships are, you know, have all been marooned. So has this been orchestrated? It's not random. They have to be in the region where this ship is, right? Because they're, they're sure. going to find Nick Licardo. 
a weather right. satellite fails, the reason it failed was because of the, you know, tampering by Nick Locarno's people. Right. Like the plot flows, it's very logical and it flows very well. Like you just, yeah. you, you, hey, she just happens to be aware that this is a problem. The real question is why does Tendi know, right? Hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, you got it. I'm just wondering if this whole thing has been orchestrated to just somehow extract Mariner because of her possible relationship with Nick Lucarno. I think that's pure chance. Is it that orchestrated? I think he, okay, she would have. Yeah, I think she would have been his next target had she not been on the planet. Got it. Like yeah, he would have tried to suborn her and get her to take over the ship. Yeah. So let's talk about Mariner's anger issues. You know, it's it's hinted at in the cold open. She's very aggressive, you know, after the shuttle gets destroyed. It's not and anger issues, man. On the planet. I think she actually... She's itching for a fight. Well, not even just itching for a fight. I mean, that is a certain aspect of it, but I almost think there's a death wish in there at this point. Oh, you think so? So... It could be. She's yeah. trying to be like her friend, which is uh, revealed here. I, well, so yeah. Do we, Might as well do talk we about that now. So... The, yeah, let's do the, it. Uh, the big connection here is that she was friends with Cito Jaxa at the Academy. Right. Cedar does so well. She gets assigned to the Enterprise. It's this big, you know, dream posting. Mariner's so, like, in awe of this person. Not just a friend, but somebody she looked up to, even. Right. And then she gets sent on a mission to die. Right. And that's all in the next-gen episode, Lower Decks, which... Well... Guess what? It's Lower Decks connection. But that's the other thing. It's not just Lower Decks. It's also the first duty, Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Nick Lucarno right. made this choice and like she had to have known the other people in Red Squad, right? She clearly right. knew Nick based on their familiar familiar tone when they encounter each other. She knew Cito. She had to have yeah. known the rest of them. They were her friends. They died because of a decision their leader, Nick Lucarno, made. Cito right. died because of a decision her leader made to send her on a mission, right? Right. And now Mariner is terrified after having gone through the dominion war of being in charge because so many people were sent on a mission to die and she sees it all as pointless and she doesn't want to have to send people to die and that changes like the whole narrative of everything she's done throughout this series right and it makes a lot of sense she's so pro starfleet Mm -hmm. but so unwilling to promote and so unwilling to move up and so self-sabotaging. It was so well yeah. done. It was just, it was fantastic. Yeah, I love that the whole connection, like you said, first duty to the Lower Decks episode. You've got the Cedo Jackson character who has appeared in both of those. And then Mariner's apparently been right there with him in the, the same academy class. I guess she didn't get caught up in the whole uh, scandal with the well, you know, flight accident. Well, she establishes that she was um, younger than Cedo, right? Right. Um, right, right, she, right. She's looking up to see them. So, and that's the thing that also establishes kind of an age range for Mariner, right? Because this episode mm. is what, like 14 years after Something like that. the, yeah. after what was, I don't know which episode it was. First city. Probably. Yeah. So that establishes that she was probably around, you know, 16, because that's like the range where legacy characters or legacy people kind of start to try and apply to Sarfleet. Seeing how Mariner is, she probably got in on her first try, unlike Wesley, who's, you know, (laughs) too busy being a mama's boy to pass his exams. Although this also kills one of the Lower Decks fan theories that 
Mariner grew up on the Enterprise. Mm, yeah. Because she wouldn't yeah. have that same level of reverence and like, oh my God, it's so amazing that she's on the Enterprise. She grew up on the Enterprise. Why would she be so amazed by that, you know? Yeah, I like this. It makes much more sense, logically speaking. So I'm a big fan of how this whole uh, backstory of Mariner is unfolding. Yeah, so, like I time. said, I like it's it really well put together. And it's one of those where you use a reveal to change an existing narrative without it being a retcon. You just add an extra detail yeah. that changes context. And that was that was really yeah. well done. Yeah. And I like that, you know, this episode doesn't just end, right, with this reveal and that's it. There's actually some resolution to that plot line, which I think we yeah. need to talk about. Everybody's favorite Klingon captain slash Laura yes. Decker helps her <laughs> reach that revelation. I love it. Way to uh, go. Ma'a. Yeah, Ma'a, yeah. Klingon captain, apparently also a better counselor than Miglimo. <laughs> Well, to be fair, Miglimo did not even get an opportunity. They're just like, we don't, we don't have time for Miglimo. He's just going to make food analogies. We're just send Mariner but on she, missions, and everything she will be went fine. Went to regular, like even though we we supposedly didn't see all of her sessions, he never looked at her record and said, "Oh my God, she has lost so many friends. She's a uh, she's a war veteran. Maybe we should talk about this." <laughs> no, nope. uh, let me make a food metaphor. Miglimo is still the worst. <laughs> yeah what a great i mean speaking of ma'a i mean you're talking about animations earlier so when ma'a and mariner first meet they have you know their their fight until the glass shards start raining down from the sky and wow what a great scene it's animated excellently they you know the the weather effects the you know animations of them fighting all look really awesome i think maybe one of the best animated shots of the entire show i definitely liked it it's well put together it's well animated not even just well like the character animation is good because like normally in animation the background is usually a painting right and it is here too sure but -hmm. it's also animated and i'm betting a lot of that is digital because a lot of it's just lighting but holy crap like that is a lot of effort to really set atmosphere and you don't usually get that in animation yeah also apparently it was really cool rains glass on this planet how does that even work? So, you need to have a meteorologist on this show. Fun fact, there that. are actually planets that they suspect it will rain glass on, right? But really? I, yeah. I don't know. But I think the the wind levels and the heat and the uh, atmosphere density you would need to make that happen would not be habitable to humans. <laughs> not this breathable. This is not yeah. an M-class planet. Probably not. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting to hear that it's possible, though. I look before they even get to uh, Ma'a. There's like multiple fight yeah. scenes. And in not yeah. a single one of them, does anyone try to get in for information? They just have the fight scene and then <laughs> run away. Like, yeah. even when you've captured somebody, you don't stop and say, hey, what the F's going on here, man? <laughs> Isn't they, That happens, but it's part of the ploy to bring out Ma'a, though, right? Between the, what is it, the Frankie and the, and the Romulan dude? But see, they never They're actually like, well, really I was talked here to too. them, right? No, not it's at just all. <laughs> them plotting to get Ma'a to attack them. Which, yeah, did you notice it looks like Ma'a in that scene is green skin. What's the deal with that? Is he? I don't know. They they went to some lengths to try and make him look like uh, some kind of predator on the planet. Yeah, the, but they also they there. they made it a point not to change his actual underlying clothing. So, like, if you yeah. go back and rewatch, you're like, oh, yeah, he's actually just got shit on top of his regular uniform. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's true. What else? Uh, some of the fun jokes. I like where Mariner's like, yeah, we need to go out there and bring it. And Talyn is like, perhaps we should find shelter before anything is brought. And I was, I thought that was a, the fun little wordplay. Yes. It was a fun little joke. Talyn continues to have the really good dry humor. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Return of Talyn. How did we not cover this? Aaron, how do you feel about Talyn being back after like a two or three episode absence? Was it the best episode? Is that why it's the best episode of the season so far for you? No. Like, if Talyn hadn't been in this episode, it would have been fine. <laughs> so you say. So you say. Did you notice, though, that, like, uh, she refers to Boimler as Mr. Boimler? And Boimler refers yeah, to Mr. her Boimler. as T? Yeah, they got the little nickname thing going on there. Yes. Though I feel like Talyn is probably exasperated by that. She doesn't say anything, though. Yeah, well, she's Vulcan. They're like that. <laughs> that's true. Although, is exasperated an emotion? Maybe that's why. I think so. Yeah. I'm not good with emotions. Yeah, I mean that much is clear. <laughs> but you know, she has a you know a history of letting her emotions out a little bit, so you know, could have yep. come out, I guess. But there's a scene in or a shot in you know the the Ma'a counseling session where uh, Ma'a says some words in Klingon that the closed captions just don't even yeah, bother telling you what they are. A lot of words Klingon. in Klingon. Yeah, he at least it says you know he you know he says humans have two douche, which is Klingon for like bravery and courage, but there's a like a sentence where he says something in Klingon, and I really want to know what it means, and I don't know how to phonetically type Klingon to so, have it translated. So he actually says that sentence right, and then he immediately right. says another sentence with the same number of words, and I think that that is supposed to be it was honor your friend, and I think that's what he was uh. saying. Okay, I buy that. That's <clears throat> that's in line with uh, with his message. So yeah, I am on board with that. It still bothers me that Universal translators don't translate everything, even when there's a clear parallel. <laughs> yes, we don't. No yeah. one really knows how Universal translators work. Rutherford just used a strike order to translate stuff last episode. So how do they work? What can oh, yeah. can't they do? Like, Nobody they'll knows. be having a conversation, and the alien will be talking, and he's all like. We should all go and sit in our Grothmacar. And then everybody's like, what's a Grothmacar? Yeah, what? What the fuck? It's a chair. He's talking about a chair. Why does that not translate? It's a noun. That's a pretty big no failure in your software, people. Someone, who's this uh, software engineer in charge of programming the translator? Get a grip, man. I feel like it's a you know 200-year-old legacy program and nobody really understands how it works anymore. But some <laughs> people can like, hack it to add new things. It's just spaghetti code. Yes. 24th century spaghetti code. 24th century. Yeah, makes sense. It's one line of code, but that line is 15 billion characters long. Would not surprise me at all. Interesting iconography in this episode. Um, on the Bird of Prey's wing, there is this white icon symbol. Yeah. It's this kind of star with a circle around it. It's not it. even really like a star, though. It's just like, you know, yeah. what is it, five points, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I want to say star, but it's, it's something. not a star. It's unclear what yeah. it is. And then when the Carno shows up at the end, his jacket has the same symbol on the front of it as well. So, And it's weird because I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. They did that to give visual cues that Locarno is working with the Klingons. And I'm like, but we literally saw earlier his ship flying away from the Klingon ship. Right. Like, how yeah. many clues do you need? I don't know. Maybe there's an explanation behind it. Or maybe at some point we'll see a bunch of other ships 
and they'll all have that symbol on it, and that's why that symbol. Yeah, exists. I I suspect. Yeah, all of these kidnapped ships or missing ships, I suspect, are part of one big fleet, which leads to you know the the big question here. Like, so what's going on with the meta plot? And what do you think? I mean, my guess is that you know he's putting together this some kind of fleet for some kind of purpose. He's getting all of these lower decker types to mutiny on their captains at the very least. The captains were you know marooned on that planet there. But what's 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 his mo? What's he going for? It's all so, these people that are have some kind of disgruntled problem with Starfleet, or what it's not Starfleet. So there are two themes in this episode that, and I think they kind of touched on these in the past. First off is the revelation that, and it's not just happened. This happens all throughout Star Trek. Starfleet officers don't always follow orders, right. and when it ends well most of the time they get a slap on the wrist or, you know, even they might even be lauded, right. For making the right decision. Is right. lauded the right word? I think that's the right word. Yeah. I'm not an English Italian or whatever they call those people, <laughs> but if it goes horribly bad, they bear the brunt of that consequence. I mean, there's literally an entire episode of strange new worlds. That's about that concept of when it's appropriate not to follow orders when it's right. appropriate. And I think in this episode, they talk, they're kind of establishing that Starfleet is not an authoritarian regime, right? Klingon Defense right. Force, you don't follow your captain's orders. He kills you or you kill him, right? Right. But that's mm-hmm. not Starfleet. You can always choose to disregard orders that you don't think are right. You can always choose to walk away. It is, to a right. certain extent, a trust-based organization. And Nick Lacar and actually let me break that back because starting with Mariner, she owns every decision she makes. Bad, good, and that's why she's right. so afraid to get promoted, because she doesn't right. want to send her friends to die. Despite right. the fact and her big realization is you just gotta make good choices and hope for the best in this episode, yeah. right? So this is her breaking point. Possible next season yeah. it'll be back to status quo, but I doubt it. Yeah, we'll see. Nick yeah. Lucardo, on the other hand, I think the plot is going to be he made a bad decision and has never blamed anyone else, or has never blamed himself. It's always everybody else. It's always someone else's fault. He's going mm-hmm. after Wesley, or he's going after Beverly Karsher, not because she's, you know, a jilted ex Starfleet officer, but she is the mother of the godlike entity Wesley that he can't get at who betrayed <laughs> him. He, you know, he blames Picard for pushing, you know, that whole getting Wesley to betray him. He blames, so he's going after, you know, Enterprise officers. He blames, you know, Starfleet for kicking him out despite him not doing anything wrong. Right. He's blaming everybody else and not taking responsibility for his choices in making the bad decision, whereas Mariner is going to own those choices. And I think that is going to be the ultimate theme that all of these lower deckers that portrayed their crews or their, their, yeah, they portrayed their crews. They are going yep. to turn against Starfleet and they are going to lose because Starfleet is a very well trained. They are full crews. They are a trust based organization where they will do what it takes to win or not necessarily win, but to, you know, achieve their goals. And these other crews that betrayed their, their captains, possibly even the rest of the officers on their ship. They're understaffed ships. 
with people who don't trust each other and it's going to fail right. miserably. And I think that's going to be the resolution. Item. I mean, I'm completely wrong on that because if there's anything modern Star Trek has taught me is they build up to such a zenith where it's very obvious where they're going and then they do something different. Which, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Especially in this show. The Nick Locarno <clears throat> reveal yeah. is such a huge, like, out of left field, unexpected thing. More right. power to them. So maybe they'll yeah. do something even better. Yeah, I think you've, I, you've, you know, definitely talked about the ideological difference. But what's he doing with all of these ships? Like, what, are, what is his goal? He doesn't just, just have building the this ships. band of pirates. Yeah, I think the end yeah. goal is to hurt Starfleet. He blames them for, you know, what happened to him. Yeah. And he does. All these just, other guys also yeah. hate Starfleet. Um, I think they all have different reasons. Yeah. So, like, we have the Ferengi ship who's in it for a profit. So, yeah, shit, mm-hmm. let's, let's attack Starfleet and loot the remains. Um, you have the Romulan ship who it's all like, yeah, there are enemies and we just sit here doing nothing, twiddling our thumbs rather than <laughs> actually making our schemes room. work, yeah. you know? Right. What else do we see? So Orions. Um, the Orions, I mean, who knows? They're pirates. They just want yeah. better loot. They, yeah, they weren't they want, even yeah. they weren't even the looters. They were like a support ship, right? And they're like, we yeah, should have been given the, the opportunity yeah. to loot, just like the Ferengi. Right. You know? Right. So I think that's what's gonna wind up happening. It's gonna be a yeah. whole fleet of ships all working towards their end goals, and it's gonna fall apart. Like, I don't even think yeah. it's gonna be like some I hope it's not. Because that's one of the problems that I have is that very often in television and movies and everything else, it's a deus ex machina. It's not even deus ex machina, but it's like, we had this sweet plan all along that saves the day that nobody knew about. And here, let's do a rewind showing all the steps you never saw. And I just, (laughs) I think I would prefer to be like, and it would be very Star Trek. If they succeed in the end, not because of some brilliant tactic or plan, but because this is who we are. We work together to build a better world. And that's what we're doing. And these people aren't. And that's why we won. Totally. That's very fitting with the show's messaging, too. So I totally agree. I I hope they go that way. Then then the executives step in and say, no, you don't understand. (laughs) It has to end on a fist fight in a fountain on a giant space station (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. We'll have to wait and see. Well, one thing I want to get your thoughts on is I'm thinking that Lucarno thinks Mariner is going to join him. Oh, 100%. At this point, because like, Mariner just had this revelation because of Ma yep. in the previous you know, hour. Well, here's the thing. She, gets she wouldn't have joined down. him before. She always believed in Starfleet. He mistakes her rebellion for hating Starfleet, just like Ma'a did. Right. And I think that's going right. to be the crux of the plot. And I think it would be great if he like, if she like turns the tables on him and says, Oh yeah, I'll totally join you. And then just yeah. like he got the lower deckers on all those other ships to betray their crews. She betrays right. them. That would be great. I love it. Turnabout. It's funny. Like you and I are very in agreement yeah. with uh, our predictions on how it's going to go. We'll have to see what kind of curveballs. And come. And that's a great message. The hate that binds binds loosely. Yeah. Wow, we're having such a uh, you know, we're we're getting a little philosophical here this evening yeah. on Lord Dorks. It's okay, you know that's that's the main message of the show, and uh, I'm here for it. So. Meanwhile, the philosophy professor is sitting back in his armchair <laughs> with his 
you know his bathrobe and his robe and his pipe and his pipe and he's saying you people know nothing of philosophy <laughs> tut tut uh, well you know what uh, philosophy professor um, who cares yeah nobody cares so uh, <laughs> I think is that it for the plots and now we just get to go think over so. all the fiddly bits that we forgot to talk about yeah is it, what did we forget any little little bits that we forgot what did the binar say? The binar say something oh. in the scene where everybody's like giving their input, and Mary's like, "Yeah, yeah," and then the binar say something, and she responds with, "Too true, man." What did they say? <laughs> I love what the binars when they talk. I, I if, during the next gen episode, I thought they kind of just talked with their computers, but in the animation, they talk by like making the little O face with their mouths. So like, yes. Their vocal cords or something in their mouth is making sound. I didn't really. Or maybe that's that before, just the but... face they make when they're like sub vocalizing, and that's what the computer oh. pick up on. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, could be. Yeah, the the closed captions did not assist with that either. So no. But I don't think it was supposed Oakling to. On I think we're not supposed to know. Oh, that's sadly the gag. Yeah. That's the joke. Do we want to talk about Rubber Duck McNeil ship? <laughs> the... <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what minimalist yeah, what hell it? is this? <laughs> yeah you know do you think he just designed this from scratch i mean we got to see the blueprints but 100 percent. this is something he built He's to not be engineer. recognizable you know what though <laughs> shit tom paris was why, why couldn't uh lucarno yeah. be <laughs> they're the same person right yeah they're the same character just one uh <laughs> took a trip to the delta quadrant and the other stayed home yeah, stayed on New Axton. Well, I mean, I think he probably stayed in a penal colony before that. But Oh, yeah. Well, Although, wait a minute, because did look Le- I don't think Lucarno went to a penal colony. That was just Paris. Oh, no, he was just ejected. Yeah, he was yeah. just ejected Paris from Starfleet. Went to jail. Yes, apparently murder, been in jail since murder then. just kicks yeah. you, gets you kicked out of school in the future. Yeah. He didn't really murder them. It was negligent <laughs> homicide at best. It was an act, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I don't know. I could talk about this episode for days. Like, where did they get the bounty hunter ship? Yes, How ridiculous is ship. it We're talk about that. that the uh, Klingon bird of prey came down so low he was below the ground yeah. level? Um, yeah. God, there's there's a million <laughs> things in this episode that are just fantastic. Overall, A++ episode. <laughs> I, I certainly think that they are uh, kicking into high gear, much as they have been in the past for previous seasons. Yeah, and I'm dying to know what the finale will bring. So... I guess I should probably finish off my glass so I can pass out and wake up next week for a new episode. Oh, yeah. And then we can talk about it next week. Episode 10, Season 4. And uh, in the meantime, you can find us on X at Lower Dorks. Or, I don't know, you can go to some lawless planet... And make an ass of yourself. As long as it doesn't rain glass there. <laughs> <laughs>